speaking of which, we are going to be talking to one of the expert private investigators. And uh, in, you can put the microphone very close to you. Tomorrow uh, is National International Private Investigators Day, commemorating the birth of Eugene Francois. I don't know how to say his name, Vitoka, the very first per, uh, PI who founded the very first detective agency in 1833. There are 80,000 private investigators across the country. And think of our favorites. We had, you know, Sherlock Holmes, Barnaby Jones, Jim Rockford. We played his uh, his message. Uh, wait, Charlie's Angels. They were private investigators. Uh, so what we I brought in Jordan Scherer. He is a licensed private investigator and owner of RA Private Investigation and Security, serving Chicago and surrounding areas. He concentrates on criminal defense investigations, child custody, and wrongful death personal injury investigations. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm going to turn you on right here. There you go. Hi. Hi, Karen. It's Thanks for having me. Good, good to see you. Good timing. Okay. Very good. Literally, I just walked in. I know. That's good. That kind of day. All right. So what are the qualifications to be a licensed PI? Just briefly. So yeah. Sure. The, the long and short, there's many avenues there with former law enforcement, former military, educational-wise, et cetera. But the long and short of it is three, three years full-time experience for a licensed agency, uh, which qualifies you eligibility to take the uh, state exam, which is not exactly a bar, but not exactly more than an ACT. Let's say somewhere in between, uh, you get million-dollar insurance policy, you hit the ground off and running. Okay. And what do you think? I know you're from Sterling, Illinois. I know that very well. It's not too far from Dixon, straight west, sort of, a uh, couple hours, right? Most west haven't of heard of it. Interesting. Yeah. No, I, I know that area well for some reason. I don't hmm. know. I, I tend to, I uh, used to do a lot of criminal defense work, and so I would traverse the entire state because you have, we, of course, have to go to the prisons because they can't come to us. So. Of course. <laughs> so a lot of them are- They're familiar with that. I was at two last week. Yes. It's it's part of uh, part of the job. So what are, what would be- what do you think the good qualities are for a good private investigator? Because I know people say, I would, I would be such a good private investigator. What, what do you need to have? Hmm. Well, uh, you know what? I, I, think, I think I was always the why kid in class, a knack for curiosity. Uh, it definitely uh, would serve you well, but I, I think there's a fine line with, with, uh, w- with refining that acuity, with knowing, with knowing when to take the information that you have in front of you and, and just sort of, sort of go with it with your best gumption because you can ruminate on something all day. And you have to obviously factor in time, resources, management. Um, and so, uh, you know, I would say a natural knack for curiosity, attention to details, organizational skills. Um, you don't actually have to have, uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, a law enforcement military background, as I have neither. Um, it, it, it would just, you definitely have to be an intellectual individual. And I think a, I think a caveat as well is, is you have to have a compassion I think for who you're, who you're talking to, uh, uh, you have to be a people person. You know, you can't be shy and get into this game. And you have to understand human nature. Yeah, you know, very good much. and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> good and bad. I mean, for your your clients, you have to have compassion. I think it's very similar to being a lawyer in a way, in that you have to really feel for your client, but then you have to be ruthless and understanding. Well, it's objective yeah. and, and a factor in the law, but you have to be ruthless in pursuing the the results that you want for that client sure sure um you, you know i I, th- I think that it's uh it, it's 
I would say that a, a balance of impartiality, but also, it's. I think it's like anything in life. If you don't really care about what you're doing, you're not going to work at it. You're not going to get better at it. You have to really want it. Um, but I think you know we can get into some of this with other aspects of the show. But I think you know you can you can throw anything against the wall and see what sticks. But then you know who did you wrongfully accuse in that process? What what emotional upheaval did you did you cause in that process? So there's an ethical you know guideline that you have to walk walk by as well along the way. Before we talk about the young men who have disappeared, and I, as you were walking in, I've had a couple of texts telling me that I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I've heard that several times when I talk about this. But I want to get your take on that. But and then maybe on the other side of the new, the uh, the break. But sure. I want to talk about you. You say in your your bio and in your website, you're talking about criminal defense cases. So mm-hmm. what would be a typical assignment for you as a private investigator in a criminal defense case? Sure. Well, you've had attorneys on the show that I've worked for, um, actually. In, in small world in that regard, I guess. But, you know, let's say uh, individuals have been charged with a homicide. So we're going to be working in a perfect world to establish grounds for reasonable doubt. An, an acquittal is a is a perfect outlook, but you're not always going to get a perfect. It's not a perfect world. You have a lot to you have a lot of factors to consider. You have you know possibly uh, self defense or defense of others or necessity defense or an alibi or you know because it, you may not be you may have, you have to consider aggravating or mitigating factors. Um, uh, you may not be necessarily considering that they have the wrong guy, but whereas maybe there's a reduction in charges, maybe there's a reduction in sentence that you can you can help to assist counsel with. So there's there's many different ways to approach that. Uh, the name of the game is experts uh, by the Dauber standard. Uh, you definitely want to consult with different es- experts and how that may apply to a case. And there's and we could talk all day about how that might apply. There's many different examples, but uh, a lot of what I'm doing is interviewing, uh, gathering intel, and I and I'm trusting the the sources by their by their expert opinion and uh, and how I can serve my client. You know, I want to ask you this, and, and I, I know that when you are, you know, I, I assume that part of your job in a criminal defense case might be to go to the people who are witnesses and to question them and to question whether maybe it was somebody else who did this or really was this uh, eyewitness identification accurate. And I know witnesses are very reluctant to talk to police. They're reluctant to talk. They want to get involved because they don't want to be uh, retaliated against. How, how do you address that with people? How do you approach people to get them to talk to you? That's a great question, actually. Um, I run into that quite a bit. Uh, there, there is a concern for retaliation, and, and not that I'm, I'm here to get political. We're just talking about me, right, sure. and my stance. But I do think we, should, we could and should do a little bit more to make witnesses feel a little bit more protected. Um, I think that we would have a lot less uh, wrongful convictions if we if we put more implementation into that. But uh, for the, for the case at hand, I, I would say um, essentially I try to assuage them. I, I can't lie to them. I mean, this is this is a, to be a good criminal defense investigator. It's a it's a soft skill. It's a it's a finesse. Um, you know, I'm I've never lied to anyone I interview, but I do try to approach them in a way that try to make them feel comfortable. Uh, you you know, you have to try to try to spell out the different variables that can, I, I won't ever lie to them in, in the sense that, yes, this could happen. This individual could retaliate against you. I will do my best to stay in touch with the, with, through your, through counsel, through the state's attorney's office, whatever we can do to try to make you feel safer and more protected. But at the ultimate end of the day, it's about telling the truth. I'm a truth seeker. If the truth hasn't been told, you know, I'm just going to give a quick, quick novelty. This this woman suggested in a recent, very recent case, actually, it's applies uh, in a mass shooting. Um, many, many witnesses 
many individuals hit uh, innocent bystanders, right? So there, there we go back to people say, well, let, let you know, the, the crime is amongst the gangbangers and it stays within those pockets. That's just not true. Um, and and these, this woman said, well, well, why, why should my husband, why should my husband uh, tell you what, you know, why should he help your client, so to speak? And I said, ma'am, he's not helping my client. He's telling the truth. So you're looking at it the wrong way. If he saw what he saw and he had just given me a very, very excellent detailed account of what he saw and it was completely 100% exculpatory of my client. And I said, that's the truth. That's all there is to it. There, whatever, I can't guarantee you that there won't be retaliation, but I can guarantee you his conscience will be clean. Yeah, and I, I think that that's maybe one of the appeals that you make. You know, can you live with yourself if you don't come forward with this truth? Yeah. You know, yeah. We're talking to Jordan Scherer. He is a private investigator. His uh, company is RA, Private Investigation and Security. Why don't you give out your contact information? And when we come back, I want to talk more about some of the other kinds of cases that you handle. Sure. I, I, I won't give out my, uh, my direct cell, but you can call my office by all means. Please do. Uh, it's 312 489 8867. And, and the uh, office email is info at rapidchicago.com. And we'll have that posted on the podcast uh, on the WGN website under the Karen Conti Show. Let's uh, adjourn for a moment. We'll be back in a minute. Happy National Private Investigators Day. And in light of that, we are talking to Jordan Scherer. He's a licensed private investigator and owner of RA Private Investigation. Uh, Jordan, I wanted to... Uh, read an email or text it said that what state was the rockford file set in rockford michigan or rockfield Ill- rockford illinois i don't know the answer to that do you no that wasn't one of the shows that i was actually privy to as a kid but i, I was actually I'm, I'm only 38 but i have a, a good memory i guess i remember watching uh spencer for hire uh oh, yeah. simon and simon yeah, yeah. Uh, okay and and uh mike hammer i definitely watched those as a three or four year old rockford files wasn't one of them though that i, I watched with my dad so was, i don't know that was a good one he always got beaten up you know and, and but he always he always got he always got what he wanted at the very end and mannix was my age now you have no idea who that is maddox mannix mm, don't yeah. know that one mm-hmm. nope. yep he was a good one some of my listeners are nodding their head out there i know they are let's talk <clears throat> a little bit about um Let's talk a little bit about these 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 uh, men that have been found in waterways. Let's get right to this, and then we can circle back and talk a little bit about some of the other kinds of cases you work on. You know, and again, just to recap, about 15 or maybe more in the last, say, 18 months, young men, generally white, generally coming out of a bar or a restaurant or a concert or a party, they get separated from their friends, they disappear, and then they are later found in either the river or a waterway like Michigan. And we don't know, we don't know if they were murdered, we don't know if they committed suicide, we don't know anything about this, because the press has not really picked up on the details of these things. But I think some people are connecting these 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 issues. And I know that you're involved in it. So can you tell uh, without, you know, obviously, you've got confidential information and things that you're working on. But can you tell our listeners what you think is going on here? Sure. Um, I, I don't know how much you want to dive into right now because I know some of it you want to come back to. But uh, essentially, it, we'll start with, you mentioned suicide. Statistically, suicide by drowning is is highly astronomically unlikely it just it just really doesn't happen i mean i mean it does and actually and and oddly enough i know for a fact 
that one of these. So I'm so to the naysayers out there that I'm just a melodramatist or something getting caught up in the hysteria of this. I know for a fact that one of these cases, the family contacted me uh, beforehand early on in the investigation, and it was verified there was a suicide note. So one of them actually is a suicide, okay. but statistically, it's it's highly unlikely. Um, and and so you know that that addresses that. Also, there's other aspects about this that that have been put out there uh, by another. By another mainstream media outlet, won't say who it is, of course, for obvious reasons. But I, I believe that it's a, it's a, it's a, a form or method of, of disinformation, and and that's that's um, unnerving for obvious reasons. Uh, that that there is nothing nothing to these these matters. That um, that essentially this is this is just a, a matter of like you said, people falling in the water, drowning, going down to urinate in the river. Uh, all, all kinds of ab- absurdities along this line. Now, I would be doing a disservice to the victims if I didn't consider all possibilities, and one of those possibilities being that someone could have drowned. Uh, I do believe that's of certainly possible with some of these. Uh, other ones that I, I know uh, I, I know very well, I, I would say like the back of my hand, uh, some of the details on these, on these cases, and I'll go as far as to say I know more than I'm going to get flack for this but more than I think law enforcement knows at this point just and it's just a matter because I've looked into it more it's it's, it's just as simple as that unequivocally uh foul play is involved so and is there anything to suggest that the same person or persons or group of persons is responsible for it given the similarities of some of these things so that's and, and so that's something right there this has gained a lot of pop popularity, if you will, like you said, the last 18 months. I've been looking into these since 2019. I've been, as a professional capacity, I've been, uh, so, and, and, you know, there was no buzz back then, right, about any of this. Um, I've been, you know, curious from an amateur perspective, if you will, since 2008, since I first heard Detective Gannon and his crew on the Coast to Coast AM radio show, and I was, you know, floored by what was happening and that this was, and there was an FBI uh, there was an FBI report back then about this debunking the, the you know the smiley face myth right that was clearly a PR campaign um, you know the, there's there's decisions being made in administration administrative circles for for a variety of reasons that we could pontificate on all day but we don't really have a lot a lot of time to do that at this point um, as far as why these are being dumbed down to accident and washed it under the rug and that's all there is nothing to see here folks you know um, you know. But but ultimately, they I think that they know. I think a certain degree of them at least know. Some of the detectives that I've worked with on different cases, especially missing persons cases, we have an open door of communication. Um, they're some of the bravest, bestest men and women that I respect. Uh, with the utmost, you know, with the utmost, I can't implore that, uh, you know, with enough adjectives. So I'm not here to, you know, pick apart or to critique. But iron sharpens iron, and I and I believe that. If, if more resources had been put into these cases, I don't think we would have got this far along. And I think it's a disservice to the families and the victims to call these accidents and, and just chalk it up to that. And is it possible that the police have connected the dots on this and are looking at this as some sort of connected uh, set of crimes? Or would we have known that by now? I don't know th- as far as would we have known that by now. That goes back to what I said about, uh, you know, the, the whole PR campaign and, uh, I'll tell you this on on the on the active case at hand, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit. I know not enough is being done on it, and I know that because of what I personally uncovered, and I know that I've been places and talked to individuals that law enforcement hasn't, and I don't think that's because of individual 
decisions of the individual detectives on the case. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's something that they can't help what they're not privy, what they're not allowed to investigate. Um, and I think that that's what we're talking about is a greater administrative decision uh, going on in, in, that's above, above their pay grade, above, well above my pay grade, right, all of us. Um, now, and that kind of harkens back to you asking me if, if all of these are connected to one, one person, right? Well, we think, and we being Detective Gannon and myself, I've been working with him in, in close communication now for, I don't know, especially for the last several months, pretty, pretty actively, but off and on for the last few years. And, um, you know, these, this is all tied back to what his team has been looking into for years. Uh, there's been others that have piggybacked on this, some, some with hyperbole, and it, we, we would rather not have some of their input, right? <laughs> but some of it has been actually helpful from some, from a, some other sources. Um, it's a concerted, we believe it's a concerted group. I'm not going to obviously go too detailed here, okay? But I think I'd be doing a disservice to the public to not say anything. Um, I, I think that we're looking at a concerted group. We're looking at militaristic backgrounds. Um, w- these, are, these are very organized individuals. And we, we are not looking at, there's been some, some of the disinfo I mentioned, you know, these, these fake Ubers uh, driving up and picking people up or these lurking hulks in the alleyways to, uh, attacking people with brute force. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for insidious, intelligent individuals using a honeypot, for example. Uh, they're using apps. We believe there's definitely some degree of, of, of app communication that's not being properly looked into. Um, so, there, you know, I can go on and on, but it's, these, these are definitely articulable offenders. These are, these are not your, your average, um, you know, your, your average one-off uh, offenders. We're going to have to break here, and I'm sorry we, we could talk some more. I'm sorry and, about and, that. No, and you're going to come back and we're going to talk about child custody cases sure. and other kinds of surveillance. Jordan Scherer uh, is a private investigator with RA Private Investigation and Security. Quickly, can you give us, again, your phone number and contact yeah, information? thank you. It's uh, 312-489-8867, or email is info at rapischicago.com. The website is www.rapischicago.com. Thank you and happy National Private Investigators Day. We'll be back in a minute.